confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. How many believe that tonight? Amen. Amen. I believe that tonight because it is the Word of God. And I want to tell you that there is no possible way that we can overstate the importance of prayer in our lives, in the lives of the believer, and in the life of, of, uh, of a church. We, we cannot in any way overstate the importance of prayer. We talk about prayer quite frequently around here, but I believe that it's something that's very needful for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we as believers and as a church never want to underestimate the importance and the power of prayer. I believe prayer today is a powerful force, and that's what James was saying here in this text tonight. Um, the great preacher of yesteryear, A.C. Dixon, said, When we depend on organization, we get what organization can do, and that is something. When we depend on education, we get what education can do, and that's something. When we depend upon money, we get what money can do, and that's something. When we depend upon singing and preaching, we get what singing and preaching can do, and that's something. But when we depend on prayer, we get what God can do. And I'm telling you, that's what the world needs and what we need today is we need what God can do. Amen. It's not all about what we can do because all of our efforts, ladies and gentlemen, are going to be absolutely futile if they're not backed up by prayer. Amen. Prayer is so important. Chrysostom was one of the founding, one of the early church fathers in the first century, and, and uh, Chrysostom said this. He wrote this concerning prayer. He said, The potency of prayer has, subs has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions and hushed anarchy to rest. Extinguished wars, appeased the elements, and expelled demons. Burst the chains of death, expanded the fates of heaven, assaged diseases, dispelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction, and stayed the course of the sun. It has arrested the progress of the thunderbolt, and there is, there is in prayer an all-sufficient Panoply, a treasure undiminished, a mine which has never been exhausted, a sky unobscured by clouds, 
a heaven unruffled by the storm. It's the root and the fountain and the mother of a thousand blessings. I'm telling you, that's a mouthful right there. Praise God. That is what prayer is and what prayer can do. Jesus had a lot to say about prayer in the scriptures, but some of the most familiar things, things that he said or verses that he said was given in the Sermon on the Mount. When he said, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. What an awesome promise that we have of prayer. And so the Bible is full of promises and full of admonitions and encouragements for you and I and promises to us concerning prayer. And so James here in his epistle, throughout the epistle from chapter 1 all the way through, James has very much to say about prayer because James was a man of prayer and James knew the power of prayer. I think I mentioned last week and I, and I mentioned it again in the prayer service the other day that James, uh, there in the early church, had gotten the nickname of Camel Knees because his knees were so hard and calloused from so many hours spent on his knees fellowshipping with God and in prayer. So here he is writing about prayer. And I'm going to tell you, this man of God, this apostle writing here in James chapter 5 in this epistle about prayer knew what he was talking about because he had experienced himself the dynamics and the power that prayer can have in an individual life. Amen? James, as we studied last week, James said that when we are in trouble or when we are, to, when we are suffering, when, we have, when we're going through a rough time, what did James said to do, said, say for us to do? He said, let him pray. We're to pray. He said also that if there's any sick among you, we talked about this last week, what are we to do if there's sick? He said, let him call for the elders of the church and let them, what? Pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Amen. And here in these verses that we've read to you tonight, James says here's something else about prayer. And he says that, the, that, that prayer, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person avails much with God. Do you know what James is saying here? Do you know what James is talking about here? He's talking about the mighty power of answered prayer. How many of y'all believe God still answers prayer? There's not been a power shortage in heaven. The Holy Spirit's not went out of business. God has not closed up shop. He still hears and he still answers prayer in 
2020 today just like he did in the Bible days, just like he did for the first century church, just like he did for, for our, our uh, forefathers who came up, just like this testimony that, that, that Brother Derby gave tonight of that woman being healed of cancer. I'm telling you what, God still hears and answers prayer. Amen. He's an almighty God. Hallelujah. And, and I love the Amplified translation of that part of that verse there, of verse 16. That part of the verse that says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Here's what the Amplified says. It says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I'm telling you, there's a dynamo in prayer tonight. I wish I could get the church to get a hold of this. I wish we could get a hold of this and believe this tonight with all of our hearts that so much that it would turn every one of us into men and women of prayer and mighty prayer warriors for God. Amen. Praise God. If we could get this tonight, it would revolutionize our life. It would revolutionize our church. So James is explaining here the mighty power of prayer in this statement. And James goes on to give us some keys to answered prayer, I believe, in this text. And he gives us an example of how God does hear and answer prayer and what God will do for the man and the woman that will Pray the effective, fervent prayer. Amen. Now, I want you to notice, first of all tonight, what James says here in this verse. The, when he says the effective, fervent prayer, notice this, of a righteous man. Of a righteous, now when it says man, it's talking about mankind. So it's talking about male and female. In Christ, there's neither male or female, bond or free, uh, Jew, Greek, amen. So when he says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, he's talking about the female as well. Anybody, everybody, is. we're all on the same level in Jesus Christ. But he speaks here of the prayer of a righteous person. So he's talking here about the integrity of prayer and when he says that prayer that the effective prayer the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much when when some people see that and immediately they say well that leaves me out that, that just leaves me out because I'm not righteous. I mean, you know, sometimes we get a complex. Now, I'm talking to believers tonight. I'm talking to Christians, people here that know the Lord. And sometimes we'll get into that guilt complex and we'll think, well, I'm just not even worthy. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy will, will put that in your mind and in your thoughts. Well, I'm just not worthy to go to God in prayer or to come into the presence of the Lord and fellowship with God or pray I'm just I'm just I'm just not worthy there's no way that I could even dare to approach the throne of God in prayer but let me tell you something today is it has anybody ever felt that unworthiness I, I know I have amen I'll be the first to admit it I have and I've had the devil say to me you know well you know God's not hearing your prayer just just think about what you did you, you messed up yesterday and you lost your temper you did this or you did that but uh, I'm gonna 
I'm tell you something. You know, we all still have those times when we miss it, when we fail. But thank God, I'm so glad tonight for the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful tonight we've got a Lord that hears us when we repent and when we ask for forgiveness. That when we do mess up, I mean, we don't have, the, we don't go out, you know, just planning on sinning. But when we do miss it and we do fail, that we can confess our sin and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Amen? But, but but the Bible says that talks about a righteous individual. James is talking about a righteous person. And, and we do know this, that within, in and of ourselves, there is none righteous, no, not one. And we do know that in and of ourselves, that all of our righteousnesses, the uh, prophet Isaiah said, are what? What's all of our righteousness? As filthy rags in the sight of God. In other words, the Bible's telling us there ain't no needing us trying to be sanctimonious or self-righteous and do good things because, you know, that's not going to earn us anything with the Lord. Amen? And so in ourselves, we are not righteous. But thank God I'm not basing my righteousness tonight on who I am or what I've done, but I'm basing my righteousness tonight and my standing with Jesus Christ on what he has done for me at Calvary's cross. Amen? Hallelujah. And now there's two, there's, there's two areas of righteousness and, and, and Denise talked a little bit about righteousness in, in the other night. So, you know, we're just dovetailing all this together. But, but there is a positional righteousness and there is also a practical righteousness. Uh, now let me explain that because we, we've got to understand where we're at here. Now, if, if we've got to have, if, 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 effectual fervent prayer is got to be made from a righteous individual then we have to understand tonight our position in Jesus Christ as being righteous so there is a positional righteousness and that position positional righteousness, positionally, you and I, in Christ Jesus, every one of you that have accepted Jesus, received him as your Lord and Savior, when you got saved, when you put your faith in Christ, you received the free gift. I'm about to have a spell now. You received the free gift of his spotless righteousness in your life. It was imputed to you. It was put to your account. You came to that altar and oh low down no good dirty sinner clothed in sin but praise God clothed in, in filthy rags but when you said Jesus come into my heart save me I'm sorry for my sin you know what he did? He took away those old tattered garments and gave you a spotless clean pure white robe of righteousness come on somebody hallelujah positionally he declared you righteous not on the basis of anything that you did amen not on the basis of anything you don't have you don't go out and do no hail marys 
You don't have to do none of that, amen? It's, it's, it's based only solely and completely on what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross of Calvary. It's not about what I, what I do, it's about what Jesus did. So we have no righteousness within ourselves, but because of the finished work of the cross uh, of Calvary, because of the blood of Jesus, God then, when we come to Christ and place our faith in him, can take our rags of righteousness and impute to us the righteousness of his son Jesus. There was only one man that ever walked the face of this earth that lived a perfect life, that kept the law to the letter, that never sinned, neither was there guile found in his mouth and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross he paid that your sin debt. He paid the penalty for your sin and praise God what is put on your account when you get saved he takes his obedience his righteousness that he has fulfilled and he puts that to your account. That's the great exchange and we sang that song every once in a while about that great exchange that ladies and gentlemen is the great exchange when he took what we were and turns, uh, turns that into his righteousness and gives us his righteousness and makes us clean and pure in the sight of God. That is positional righteousness. If you are in Jesus Christ tonight, positionally, you are righteous. Second Corinthians 5.21, he, speaking of Jesus, said that he who knew no sin was made to be sin or a sin offering for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank God that I can come now. Glory to God. I can, you can, you by the blood of Jesus now can come into the very presence of God into the very throne room of his grace and find grace and mercy to help when we have a time of need and the devil says you don't belong in the throne room and you say oh get on behind me Mr. Devil I've already got the blood of Jesus applied to my heart and life he has made me righteous amen that's positional righteousness that everyone in Christ has but then there's also practical righteousness and practical righteousness is living out day by day the righteousness that is on the inside of you it's living a life of righteousness again not your own and not self-righteousness but um but it's a personal practical righteousness every single day it's someone it's it's here let me just put it in these simple terms you know what it is practical righteousness is living right. It's just living right. Li- living a, a godly life. Living a, a, living a right life. And, and uh, we can do that because Jesus lives in us. Hallelujah. Amen. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person is someone who has been positionally made righteous in Jesus by the blood of Jesus through their confession of him as Lord and Savior. But then because they have been made righteous, they continue to walk in that righteousness and live right and live a righteous life. Amen. Isn't that great? 
Well, you know, I mean, when I got born again and, and, and was positionally made righteous, I got up from that altar and I didn't go out and do the same things I did before. My life was changed. I had a different nature. I was a new creation, a new creature in Christ. How many knows what I'm talking about? So, so there has to be also a practical righteousness, and that's what James is talking about here, that, that we have to be living right and in right in that relationship and fellowship with God, and that there should be, there must not be any unconfessed or unrepented of sin in our life if we want our prayer life to be effective for the Lord. You can't, you know, and people need to understand this. You know, people all the time wanting prayer and wanting you to pray for them, but they won't, they, they, they won't live right. And I pray for them. I do. But you know what my prayer is? God convict them. Convict them of their sins. Show them that they ain't living right, they ain't doing right, and that you can't do nothing for them until they straighten their life up. Oh, I'm getting a few amens, a couple of, couple of Church of Christ nods. That's okay. <laughs> Glory to God. You know what Isaiah said? Isaiah 59 Isaiah said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But he said, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So God said, There's nothing wrong with my power. I can still hear your prayer. I can still, my, my, my hand's not shortened, my ear's not heavy. I can still hear. I can still do miracles. But he said to, to Israel at that time, He said, It's because of your sin. Your iniquity has separated you from God. So God was calling them to repent. What did Isaiah say in that, in that first chapter to his people? He said, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be whiter than snow. Though Oh, they be red like crimson, they'll be as wool. So God is calling his church. That's what um, Denise used this scripture, though, not Second Chronicles 7, 14. If who? My people, which are called by my name, will do what? They will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. David said in Psalm 66, 18, he said, if I regard and in other words, if I know there's sin in my life, but I don't want to confess it because I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing, and if I regard and keep that iniquity in my life, the Lord will not hear me. He won't hear me. So God is saying, James is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying here through James that if you want to have an effective, fervent, dynamic prayer life, then you need to be positionally righteous, but you need to also be living right, living right. Make sure, make sure that if the Lord, if the Holy Spirit, and, and I do every day, Lord, if there's anything in my heart, if there's anything in my life, I'm gonna examine myself. The Bible tells us to do that. If there's something there that don't need to be there, Lord, Holy Ghost, show me. I wanna get it out of there. Don't you believe that's the way we should live our life every single day? Hallelujah. Not just, not just so we can have an effective prayer life, but because that is the life that pleases your heavenly Father. He wants you to live right and live for Jesus. I gotta, I gotta hurry. So, so that applies to us today. 
You know, just I'll give you read the seventh chapter of Joshua when you get home. But it's the story of, of Joshua and children of Israel going against the city of Ai. They had defeated, they had defeated uh, Jericho. God had given them the promise that that I'll be with you. No man will be able to stand before you. I'll give you victory everywhere you go. And so they get ready to go down to Ai, and they get down there, and guess what? They get they get the socks beat off of them. They get defeated. They're fleeing from the enemy. And Joshua can't figure that out. This is not what God said was supposed to happen. God had promised them victory. And so Joshua gets on his face and he's calling on the Lord and he's saying, God, I don't understand this. Why did we lose this battle? Why? And you know what God said? God said, get up from there. God said, stop praying. Get up from there. He said, I'm not going to hear anything because Israel has sinned. The reason you've lost the battle is because there's sin in the camp. You know the story. Achan had stolen that Babylonian garment, that wedge of gold, hid it in his tent. He had the accursed thing in there, and it had to be dealt with. The sin had to be dealt with. After the sin was dealt with, after the, the sin was gotten out, then God moved for them again, and they enjoyed the victory of Again, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous, righteous individual avails much in the presence of God. Amen. So there's the integrity of prayer, but then there's the intensity of prayer. Oh, here's where we miss it. Because a lot of times we get the integrity part right, but is our prayer what James, what James defines here as effective prayer? and fervent. The King James says the effectual, fervent prayer. And that word effective or effectual comes from the Greek word energeo, which is the word, the Greek word where we get our English word energy. And so, oh hallelujah. So what James is saying here, that if our prayer is to be effective, that our prayer is to be energized. Not just, oh God, not just a little old uh, lukewarm, take it or leave it cold, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. Amen? <laughs> Praise God, I'm having fun. I don't know if anybody else is or not. But it's an energized prayer. So he says it's, it's an energized, fervent prayer. That word fervent means to be hot to be on fire, praise God, to be burning. But let's get back to that word effective, energeo, the word energized, energy, energized prayer. How many remember the energizer bunny? Amen, I don't think he's on anymore. They took him off, praise God. But uh, anyway, the, the energizer, that energizer battery commercial and that energizer bunny and everybody has seen the energizer bunny. And you remember what the thing was with the energizer bunny? He just keeps going and going and going and going. And all the other toys are dead and all the other batteries are dead. And that old energizer bunny, he's just, he's still beating the drum and he's still going and going and going and going. You can't stop the energizer bunny glory be to God 
And that is what that is what this word pictures. It's a prayer life that can't be stopped. It's a man or woman of God that can't be stopped because their prayer has been energized by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need some Holy Spirit praying today within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen, it's not how loud we pray, it's not how long we pray, and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with loud praying, and there's nothing wrong with long praying, and there's nothing wrong with a brief prayer if it's energized by the Holy Spirit. But that word energeo means to energize, but it also means a stretched out prayer. And the Greek here gives the picture of an athlete. Now picture this. A runner in a race. A sprinter. That's, that's, that's running down, I don't know, 100 yard dash, whatever. But he's running down toward that tape. And that, that athlete is stretching every muscle he's putting. Everything that he has into it to get to that finish line. This athlete, this runner is intense and he is not about to quit. He's not about to give up. And that's what James is talking about here. He's talking about an intensity, a prayer that has an intensity in it. We're to be eager and earnest and fervent and impassioned in our prayers. Amen? We're to be fervent. Prayers that are on fire. Prayers that are filled with the Spirit of God. Jude said, Jude said, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's Holy Spirit inspired praying. Amen. Half-hearted, lukewarm, indifferent prayers, ladies and gentlemen, are not going to do. That's not going to get us through. That's not going to get the victory in the day that we're living today. Our nation needs prayer. Our churches need prayer. The believers, the saints need prayer. And it's going to take if Effective, fervent, energized, intense, powerful, faith-building prayer that's going to get the job done in these days which we live. Hallelujah. So there's integrity in prayer. There's, there's, there's intensity in prayer. But here, I'm going to hit this one and then we'll go home. There's also the immensity of prayer. What do you mean, Brother Rick? It said, he said that the Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. I love the way, again, the Amplified says, it makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Do you know what that means? It just basically means this. Prayer does a lot of good when we pray. Prayer has a lot of power. Prayer will bring things, great things to pass. And I don't think that we fully, even as believers, as a church, that we fully understand what God can do in prayer. Because if we did really understand this and had a, had a, had a revelation of this, then I believe that we would pray more. I don't believe there would ever be a day go by, but what we wouldn't spend time in, in intense prayer and fellowship with the Lord. If we did really realize what prayer could do, I believe our prayer meetings would, would, would generate more people. I believe there would be more people that would be coming to prayer meetings 
things if we really listen, if we really believe these verses. Amen. When you, when you think about what prayer can do, when you think about what God will do in prayer, you, it makes you want to wonder, God, why don't people pray more? But James gives us an example of what effective prayer can do. And he uses an Old Testament prophet here by the name of Elijah. Everybody knows Elijah, don't we? know about Elijah. He didn't use, you know, he could have used anybody in the Old Testament. But he uses this Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah to teach us a lesson on the power of prayer. And in verse 17 he says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. The King James says, with like passions as we have. But he has a nature like ours. And notice, and he, Elijah, prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Verse 18 says, and he prayed again. I always like that. Glory to God. You've heard those people say, well, all you got to do is pray one time and just go on. Don't have to ever pray again. And he prayed again. Come on, somebody. He prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Notice what James said about Elijah. He was a man with a nature like ours. You know, we think about these Old Testament prophets sometimes and think they were superhuman, but they weren't. They were just like you and me. They had the same passions and the same nature and they faced similar circumstances that we face today. By having that passions like we have, a nature like that, that means that Elijah encountered the same kind of problems that you and I encounter today. And it means that Elijah, the great prophet, the mighty prophet Elijah, had the same kind of weaknesses and the same kind of failures that we have today. Now, I don't think anybody will disagree today that there was greatness in this prophet of God, Elijah, wasn't there? He was a great man of God. I mean, Elijah raised a, a, the widow's son from the dead. He was fed by ravens. He confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and prayed fire down from heaven. And then at the end of his life, he just stepped into a, to a fiery chariot and God swooped him off into glory and he didn't even taste death. Come on. I, I think there was some greatness, some greatness in the life of Elijah. But you know what? Even though he was a great man, there was also some weakness in the life of Elijah as well. Elijah went through the same kind of difficulties and the same kind of problems just like we do. He had the same changing emotions that we have. He was a man of like passions as we are. Elijah had his ups and Elijah had his downs. Amen. Elijah had his heels and he had his valleys and he had his victories and he had his miseries he was of like passion like we are there were days ladies and gentlemen that Elijah also got up on the wrong side of the bed he was just like us amen there was days he didn't feel like doing ministry, I'm sure. He was just like us. I mean, one day he's calling fire down from heaven, uh, having revival. The, the people of, of God turning to, back to God and uh, the prophets of Baal being killed. And then the next day he gets, a, he gets a note from Jezebel and he's running for his life. And he's sitting under the juniper tree. And he's saying, just kill me, Lord. Just take me, Lord. I ain't no good. I can't handle it anymore. I mean, he goes from a mountaintop to a juniper 
country and we've all done the same thing because we're all of like passions just like Elijah was. Normal. We all made out of the same old mud, same old dust, same old clay that Elijah was made out of. Amen? He was just like us. And there was weakness in Elijah. But here's the thing about Elijah that James points out. There was earnestness and there was desire and there was sincerity in Elijah. When he prayed, it said that he earnestly, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. He was a man of like passions, but he prayed earnestly. He prayed that stretched out prayer. He prayed that intense prayer, like that runner running to the finish line. Amen. He prayed with affecting effectiveness and he prayed with intensity amen earnestly that it would not rain he goes before Ahab and he says Ahab there won't be any rain there won't be any rain unless I call for it for three and a half years there was no rain now he didn't just presumptuous do that God told him to do that and he prayed that prayer and he believed and it did not rain for three and a half years he had such power with God in prayer he prayed with such intensity that he could say to the heaven no rain and for three and a half years not one drop of rain fell listen to me ladies and gentlemen that is the mighty power of answered prayer when we can pray and God said that's not just something special for Elijah we all are the same as he was and can all pray that same intense prayer as he prayed I know I'm supposed to be teaching. I get excited. I can't help it. Maybe I can help it and don't want to. I don't know. He prayed that stretched out prayer. Amen. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then it said that he prayed again. He prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. And this was Elijah's effectiveness in prayer and James makes mention makes reference of that story that we find in 1 Kings 18 and I'm going to read verses 41 through 45 of 1 Kings 18 we're going to bring this to a close and I'm going to try not to shout too loud look with me 1 Kings 18 here's what James was talking about this was the example he was giving of what effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person will accomplish. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down to the ground, and he put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. And he said again, seven times, he said, go again, go again. And I believe seven times he came back and said, there ain't nothing. He said, well, go one more time, go again. Hallelujah, (laughs) glory to God. Then, verse 44, and then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he, so Elijah said, go up 
and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. You know what the church needs today? You know what the Pentecostal church needs today? We need a heavy rain. And I'm talking about the rain of the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us again. Amen. Woo! Elijah got up on Carmel. He got on his face. He got on the ground and he began to pray and he prayed and looked for a weather report at the same time. Amen? He said to his servant, go on up and look at the sea. Look toward the sea. And the servant comes back and said, there's nothing. Go look and see what's in the sky. And he says, no, it's just as clear and it's just as blue and the sun's shining just as bright as it was. There's not a sign of rain there's nothing there's nothing and he said well go again and seven times he said go again what was that saying that Elijah this effectual fervent intense prayer praise God is a prayer that is like that energizer bunny it don't give up it does not quit it goes again because he had had the promise he had had the word from God that the it's time for the rain to come and he's staying there on his face before God on the top of Mount Carmel until the answer comes. Amen. So go again. Seven times he went. Seven times. That's the number of completeness. That's the number of perfect intensity. He was not going to quit until the answer comes. Let me tell you something, saints. If there's one thing, and I know we've said it before, but I want to say it again. Listen. Don't give up on your prayers. If God doesn't answer you today, he just makes He's waiting to answer you tomorrow. And if he doesn't answer tomorrow, just go again the next day and go again the next day. Amen. But keep on praying and keep on checking for the clouds and keep on going. And if there's nothing, go again. And if you gotta go seven times, go seven times. And if you gotta go 12 times, go 12 times. But go again, go again, go again because God is faithful if we will pray with intensity perseverance in prayer perseverance in prayer and on that seventh time there was a cloud small as a man's hand rising out of the sea and Elijah jumped up and said go tell Ahab get your chariot ready because there's a sound of abundance of rain. It's getting ready to come. A toad strangler. <laughs> Praise God. Some rain is getting ready to happen. And guess what? Verse 45 said that it happened in the meantime. The sky became black with clouds and wind. There was a heavy rain. There's tremendous power in prayer. If we'll just keep on praying. If you won't give up the rain, one day the rain will start falling in your life and you'll see the answer. Somebody's, somebody said that prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. I like that. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. God can change your situation. If he can change the weather, he can change your situation. Amen.
I'm going to give you a little story. I'm going to tell you a little story in closing. Worship team can make your way back. Many y'all, how many of y'all have read the book, Jim Simbla's book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire? Y'all familiar with Jim Simbla? And um, it's a tremendous story. I'm going on vacation, and I've, I've read it before, but I just downloaded it again on my Kindle. I'm going to read it again, I think, while I'm gone. I'll come back really fired up. <laughs> but it's the story of, of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. But in that book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Jim Simla, and, you know, the church had started a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And, and all that God did there in that church was he attributes to those Tuesday prayer meetings. But Jim Simla's oldest daughter, Chrissy, had been a model child growing up, he said. But around the age of 16, his daughter Chrissy began to stray away. And she drew away from, from her parents, and she drew away from God, and then she even left home. And they, there were many nights, he said, that they had no idea where she was at. He had tried everything. Pastor Simbla had tried everything. He had begged her. He had pleaded with her. He said, I scolded her. I argued with her, but nothing seemed to work. But then one Tuesday night during the prayer meeting, he said, we entered into a time of prayer. And he said, an usher handed him a note. And... It was from a young woman who he said, I felt was spiritually sensitive. And she wrote this note and said, Pastor Simla, I feel impressed that we need to stop the meeting and all of us just gather together and pray for your daughter, pray for Chrissy. And he said he hesitated to do that. He said, well, you know, did it, what, should he just stop the service, the flow of the service? And... And, and just do that or what? But, but yet, he said there was something in the note that seemed to ring true. So they, they, he picked the microphone up and he called the congregation together. And uh, he said that, you know, my daughter's far from God. We want to gather together and we want to pray for her tonight. And um, he said, I know that God can break through to her. So they all gathered around and they begin, they joined hands there across the sanctuary and they begin to pray. And he said this, to describe what happened in the next few minutes, I can only employ a metaphor. The church became a labor room. He said there was a groaning, there was a sense of determination as if to say, Satan, you will not have this girl. Take your hands off her. She is coming back. And he said, I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. And so when he got home, he told his wife, he said, it's over. It's just over. And she said, what's over? And he said, it's over with Chrissy. It's just over. It's done. And 32 hours later on that Thursday morning, this happened on a Tuesday night. On Thursday morning, he said, I was shaving. And his wife, Carol, burst through the door, her eyes wide, and she said, go downstairs. Go downstairs. Chrissy's here. Chrissy's here. Go downstairs. And you're the one she wants to see. 
He said he headed downstairs, his heart was pounding, and he saw his daughter on the kitchen floor, rocking on her hands and knees and sobbing. And she grabbed him by the pants leg, and she began to pour out her anguish, and she said, Daddy, Daddy, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against you and Mommy. Please forgive me. But then she said this, Daddy, who was praying for me? Who was praying for me? And he said, Chrissy, what do you mean? Who was praying for you? And she said this, on Tuesday night, who was praying for me? Because she said, in the middle of the night, God woke me up and showed me that I was headed for the abyss and there was no bottom to it and it scared me to death. I was so frightened. I realized at that moment how hard I had been, how wrong and how rebellious and at the same time, it was like God wrapped his arms around me and held me tight. He kept me from sliding any farther away and he said, I love you. And he said, Jim, Pastor Simbla said, I looked into her bloodshot eyes. And once again, once again, I recognized the daughter that we had raised. God had brought her back. But what did it? She knew somebody had been praying for her. It was an intense prayer. It was a, it was a, 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 a determined prayer. And it was a prayer that got the job done amen I believe we've all got amen family members that need prayer that need to be saved that uh, and just situations in our life that need to be changed and I'm telling you the effective fervent prayer of that righteous person will avail much if we'll just do it if we'll just do it amen